Father, we thank you so much for your presence here today. You are amazing. We would say happy Father's Day to the greatest father we could ever have. Thank you for your presence in this place, God. Pray for an anointing today for your spirit to go forth boldly in the lives of everybody here. Nobody here by mistake. Everybody planned thousands of years ago. You knew they would be here today. Some of them didn't even know they'd come this morning, but you brought them here. You have a word for us. You have truth for us. You have life for us. God, I lift up anybody in this place. Maybe their life doesn't feel too amazing. Maybe they're struggling in ways that nobody else knows, but they know. Yet you're here meeting them right where they're at, meeting us where we're at. We need you today, God. We are in a battle. We are in a fight. And you're going to equip us. You have called us, and today I'm believing with all my heart, God, you're going to change us. We love you. We thank you in advance for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name I pray, and everybody says, amen. As you have a seat, turn to two people and tell them, I am battle-born. I am battle-born. Two words, battle-born. You know what it means? It means you're battle-ready. It means you're ready for the fight. That's right, because we're in a fight. Some of you, you know that. I don't have to convince you. You get it, right? So, oh, I know Casey said it. I got to say it again. If this is your first time at Meadows Church, I love saying welcome home. Super excited that you're here. God has a word for you. I am telling you what, what he did in the first service, and, and he loves you better than the people that come to nine, so it's going to be even better for you guys. So that's good. That, I don't tell them I said that. That is so good. So battle born, battle ready. Um, this series that we're in over the next eight weeks is, is based on God's word. There's a book in the New Testament. So the New Testament is when Jesus came to earth as a baby and grew up. That's, it's, that's the New Testament. Old Testament is before that happened. In the New Testament, there's a book called Ephesians. Ephesians was written by a man named Paul. Paul planted a lot of churches around the Mediterranean rim with the help of others as the first church exploded. And Ephesus is how Ephesians gets its name, and that was a, a region in modern-day Turkey where they planted one of the churches. Paul wrote to them encouraging them, and, and God was also writing through Paul to us to encourage us. They were in a battle then, and we are in a battle now, and the battle is only beginning. And in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 20, it outlines something called the armor of God. Some of you have heard of that. Some of you haven't. It's okay if you haven't. You're going to learn about it today. God is telling us to armor up in the battle that we're in. And he's teaching us today about the first piece. The first piece of God's armor you're learning about today. I'm excited. I'm going to, I'm going to read to you just two, two verses in Ephesians. And then we're going to get more into God's word. Ephesians 6 verse 13. Check this out. Therefore, Paul writes, put on every, say every, Every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in this time of evil. Then after the battle, you'll be standing firm. Stand your ground, he says, first by putting on this very first piece of the armor, the belt of truth. So this belt of truth is the foundation for everything that we're going to be teaching about in this series. It's why it's the first piece. It's why it's, it's, why it's the first thing the, 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 the Roman centurions would put on. Literally, the belt was the first piece. It And other things were connected to it. The breastplate, the breastplate was connected to the belt. 
The sheath that held the sword connected to the belt. If there's no belt, there's nothing else. It's why it's the first thing we put on. Truth is a big deal. Truth can be subjective, right? We live in a day and we live in a culture where we kind of define our own truth sometimes. So, so what is it? Like, I've heard it said there are three things that always tell the truth, right? Number one, drunk people. Okay, they just, they can't, they can't tell a lie. Well, I don't know if that's true. Um, uh, small children, they'll tell the truth. Whether you want to hear it or not, they'll tell the truth. You know, and the third thing that always tells the truth, yoga pants. Right? They don't lie, right? And you, you want them to, but they don't. So, yeah. small children, I will tell you that when Jake, my son, he's 11 now, three or four years old, we're at a neighbor's house meeting these new neighbors that lived a few houses down from us. And the, the gal was at the door, and we'd met her, we were talking to her, and Jake, little Jake down here, so innocent, so small, so full of truth. And Jake, out of the blue, this is like every parent's worst nightmare, Jake, out of the blue, looks at me, thinks he's talking in some sort of a small, like, whisper voice. Well, he's not. And she's standing right there, I'm talking, it's like, pulling on my shirt, Dad, Dad. I'm like, Jake, I'm talking, he's like, Dad. And he's talking this loud, like, Dad. I'm like, yeah, Jake, why is she so fat? And I was like, um, well, I guess we're done here. Uh, so luckily this woman was actually, she was pregnant. So I had an out. Um, I'm like, oh my gosh, why God? So she's like, oh, that's, it's, it's okay. I have a baby and all this stuff. And I'm like, Jake, I'm never taking to anywhere again. Okay. We can't do this. He literally said that. So my gosh. Um, but truth is a big deal. And I want to, I want to tell you something about the belt of truth. I've already told you that it's connected to other pieces of armor. I'll tell you that it is the reason it's the first thing that you need to put on is because it's the very thing that our enemy, say enemy. enemy. See, we have an enemy. If, if you missed last weekend, maybe this is your first time here, or maybe you missed last week, whatever, man, go to iTunes or Spotify or our YouTube channel. Go somewhere and watch it or listen to it. We unpacked who the enemy is because we believe that you cannot defeat what you cannot define. So unless you know who your enemy is, unless you know who you're facing, you'll never win the battle. So if you missed that, go back and watch last week. I'll, I'll give you a hint. The one who's orchestrating a lot of it and, and using other things that are our enemy is the devil. And, and the devil, uh, John 8.44 sums it up. You want to check out somebody who's anti-truth? John 8.44 spells it out. says he's always hated the truth. By he, he means the enemy. The enemy has always hated the truth because there is no, say no, None. There's no truth in him. Zero percent. When he lies, it's consistent with his character. He doesn't just lie. It's who he is. And then John really says it. For he is a, li a liar. He is the father of lies. So if the truth is the belt we need to put on, there's somebody who is the exact opposite of that, who we need to def defend ourselves against. This is key. So... The enemy wants to kill, steal, and destroy. He does it through lies. He does it through illusion. He does it through a strategy called deception. So, how can I unpack this in a way that, well, give me a second. Deception, I mean, deception is real, for one thing. I, I would ask you if you've ever been deceived, but you wouldn't know because you, you've been deceived, and you don't know you're being deceived when you're in deception. So, my, my, my wife would say I was deceived last summer when I made my own pair of jean shorts, Okay. I, it's a true story. I thought, why would I go buy jean shorts when I can make my own? So I did. I made my own, and I and and the style. If you don't know, guys, I'll help us out. It's the, they're supposed to be a little shorter, like like two years ago, maybe down here. But now they're here, so I like. Okay, I want to. You say no, Casey? 
All right, well, no, okay, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I've been deceived. So I made my jean shorts, and uh, I thought they looked good. I'm like, yeah, I'm styling. So Ava has a track meet, her last track meet of the year, and I thought, you know what, it's hot out. I'm going to wear my shorts. <laughs> True story. So I show up at the track meet. My wife Jody's already there, and the first thing Jody says is, what are you wearing? And I said, what do you mean what am I wearing? You can see what I'm wearing. I'm wearing my shorts. And she's like, don't, you should never wear those in public. Like, you want the church to grow or not? I'm like, what? I said, Jody, these are hot. You know it and I know it. I think she was jealous because she wanted her own pair. I'm like, Jody, I'll make you your own pair, okay? It's okay. We can be twinning. She, so I thought, honestly, I thought, well, she doesn't know what she's talking about. She doesn't know style when she sees it. Well, but then something else happened after the track meet. Ava gets done, my daughter, and I walk up to Ava, and I'm like, Ava, that was a great job at your last track meet. And Ava's like, Dad, why'd you wear those shorts? I'm like, no, she's saying it. I'm like, Ava, you're a teenager. You know what's in. This is in. She's like, Dad, don't wear those in public. I'm like, okay, maybe I truly have been deceived. So check this out. That was, that was like a month and a half ago. I hadn't seen my jean shorts in a long time. And I'm like, where are my jean shorts at? So here's what happened. I'm in the laundry room two weeks ago. And we have a, we have a, what is it called, a hamper? No, it's a, just a clothes basket. And uh, we have these clothes in there that we're giving away. They're too small for the kids or we, you know, whatever. And I'm looking, and I glance, I'm not even looking at her, but I glance. I think the Lord guided me. And I, I looked and I saw these little strands of jeans hanging out. I'm like, wait a minute. I said, what's that? So I get down and I'm digging through this pile. I'm like, I pull them out and there they are. It was like, ah! And I'm like, my jean shorts. So they're back in circulation, baby. I found them. So, but they tried to hide them from me. That's what, I don't know what goes on in your household. It's weird in mine. So hiding jean shorts from me. So anyway, what's my point? I forget. Um, deception. Yes, you can be deceived. So they would say that I was deceived in believing these things look good. So whatever. Um, <laughs> illusion. Deception. This is how the enemy works. It's smoke and mirrors. He's a magician. I'm going to show you this in God's word. You know, you're, illusions are weird, aren't they? Like, look at this picture. Like, when you look at this picture on the screen, like, how many of you see a rabbit? Raise your hand. Okay, a few of you. How many see a duck? See, oh, more. See, last week, or last or service, it was different, yeah. There's always some, you're still explaining it to her, Casey? Good, good job. So, there's always somebody that looks at something like this, and they're all eccentric, and they're like, no, I don't see a rabbit or a duck. I, I think I see the Virgin Mother Mary. Or They'll say something weird like that, and I would tell that person, you know what I think? I think you've smoked too much weed. That's what I think, okay? Can I just be honest with you? I mean, pull back on that a little bit. So um, that's not the Virgin Mother Mary. That is a, a duck or a rabbit, or as my father-in-law would say, that's dinner. It doesn't matter if it's a duck or a rabbit or a possum, whatever. Um, Today, the message that God has for you is this. What you're looking at or what you see in your life may not be reality. It may not be what you think it is. So today, I believe that God wants you and I to lose our illusion. Not, not guns and roses, use your illusion. I'm talking about lose your illusion. We're going to take away the deception. We're going to take away the mirrors. We're going to take away the smoke. And we're going to look at truth. Because deception, deception didn't waste any time entering onto the scene. It started in Genesis, the first book of the Bible. Genesis, the word means beginning. So in Genesis, it, by the way, if you brought a Bible, which I always encourage you to do, a Bible or a mobile app with a, with a Bible app on it, go to Genesis 3. Just go there, and we're going to go there in a second. And if you don't have that, I'm going to put it up on the screen in a moment. But in Genesis 3, something happens. But to understand what happened in Genesis 3, I need to unpack a couple verses in Genesis 2. So let me do that. Genesis 2, verse 15, listen to this. 
God placed man, Adam, in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. The Lord warned Adam because he loved him. You may eat freely from the fruit of every tree in this place. It's all yours. Everything. Say everything. Everything except that one. Except that tree in the middle. That tree of good and evil. Don't eat from that one. Because if you do, you will surely die. This is the first command we ever hear God give anybody ever. Very first one. So if we unpack the command that God gave Adam, what do we learn from it? We learn that our God loves us and that he is good. And that every command that God gives is for our good. God says, it's all yours, Adam. You can have everything. By the way, I love you so much. I need to tell you, don't eat from that one. That one will take you out, okay? You got it? Okay, let's do this. So he sets the stage. A few verses later, look what happens. You ready for some smoke and mirrors? Here we go. Genesis 3, verse 1. The serpent, already deceiving, already illusion. I mean, he's coming in as a, uh, the devil this is, by the way, coming in disguised as a serpent. He was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day, he asked the woman, this would be Eve, he asked her, did God really say? Notice the very first words Satan never speaks, questioning the word of God. He's getting Eve to question the word of God. See, some of you, you question God's word, and I'm, I'm not, it's okay to have doubts. It's okay to seek. It's okay to search for truth. Continually do that. But if you're questioning, don't stay there. Look for the answers. You will find, I promise you, you will find God when you seek him. So keep seeking. He's getting her to question. Did God really say you can't eat fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Notice what the devil did there. Did you catch it? He said any of the trees. That's not what God said. God said you could eat from any of the trees, just not that one. But the devil is convincing Eve that God said you can't have any of it. God didn't say that. See, the devil's going to want you to believe that God is taking things from you. The devil is going to want you to believe that, 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 that he doesn't have anything for you. These are, are lies from the enemy. So he, he, he plants the deception in the mind of Eve. Listen to her response in verse 2. Of course, of course we can eat from the fruit of the trees of the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden we're not allowed to eat. It's true. God said the fruit from the tree in the middle, we, we must not eat it or even touch it. Now, did God say they shouldn't touch it? No, he didn't. He only said don't eat from it. So Eve, we see what, dece see, deception breeds deception. So, so Satan's already lying to Eve. So now, Le now Eve is lying to herself. She's saying, well, God said don't eat it, don't touch it. Well, God didn't say don't touch it, Eve. You're starting to add and subtract from what God said. See, deception is crazy. And you don't know you're in it when you're in it. I'll guarantee you, Eve, when she said this, she had no clue that she was adding on to God's word. She just believes this is what God said. Deception. It's crazy. So she says, we can't even touch it. If we do, we'll die. And then here's the devil. The father of what? Lies. Here he goes. You won't die. Lie. You won't die. The serpent said, God knows your eyes are going to be open as soon as you eat it. And you'll be like God, knowing both good and evil. The woman, I mean, check this out. In a few verses, Eve goes from knowing what God said to believing the total opposite. She was convinced. Oh my gosh, how can deception do this? 
She literally did a 180, but that's what the devil's good at doing. He's good at deceiving. He's good at illusions. So she is convinced. He has convinced her that the, that the fruit is good. In fact, she says it. She saw the fruit was beautiful, and its fruit looked delicious, and she wanted the wisdom she could have from it. Question. You think the fruit on that tree looked any better, was any better, looked more delicious, was any uh, more luscious than any other fruit in that garden? I'll guarantee you it, it didn't look any different. But to her, it looked completely different. Why? Deception. Illusion. Oh, my gosh, I can't have that. Wow, that looks so good. See, sin, and I've said this before, and you'll hear me say it again. Sin, this fruit, it looks so good. It looks so good. It fascinates you, but then it assassinates you. This is what it does. And I'm telling you, it, that's what it did for them, literally. They took, well, I'll finish the scripture. Look what it says. She took the fruit, and she ate it. She ate it, and then she gave some to Adam, and he ate it. And at that moment, because they ate the fruit they weren't supposed to eat, sin enters into the world, into everything, and fractures the world. And from Genesis 3, you want some theology? From Genesis 3 to Revelation 21, so 99.7% of the Bible, after that moment, is God chasing you. This is what he's doing. So God sees, oh my gosh, you've completely jacked everything up. You've done what you weren't supposed to do. But I have a plan. You still have a purpose. I'm still not done with you. You're still my creation. I still made you in my image, and I love you. And I will continually pursue you until we get to Revelation 21. And if you've never read that, again, get into the Word of God. It will change your life. So, but it's nuts. So after verse 6, let me skip a few more verses and share something with you. Because Eve, once you're out of the deception, you can see it, Right? When you're in the middle of it, it seems normal. It seems right. It's, it's crazy how that works. Eve now, watch what happens. It says in Genesis 3.13, Then the Lord God asked the woman, now she's already sinned now, and God's there with her, and God says, Eve, what have you done? What have you done? Listen to Eve's response. She knows. She, it's been revealed to her. The serpent deceived me. She knows. She's been deceived by the deceiver. The serpent deceived me, she replied. That's why I ate it. It's true. She was deceived. That's why she ate it. It's so subtle. She didn't see it in the moment. She didn't know she was being deceived in the moment. She knows now, but now it's too late. Now, not, now sin has entered into the world. So here's, here's what I truly think. There's a quote. I'm going to give it to you in a second. There's a quote from a pastor in the 1800s, a Baptist pastor named Charles Spurgeon. And, and I love it because I think when we struggle with these decisions and this belt of truth and what is true and what is not, I don't think it's really a matter of right or wrong. Most of you know what's right or wrong. You do. I don't think anybody walked in here today thinking, you know what, today I'm debating. I, I, should I knock off a liquor store or shouldn't I? I, I don't know. I, you know what, I'm going to pray about it. I, I, I'm, you know, should I construct a meth lab in my basement or shouldn't I? No, you probably shouldn't, but we'll, we want to pray with you. you. Most of you aren't struggling with those thoughts. It's the more subtle ones. It's the one, well, it's based on this quote. Charles Spurgeon, Lord, help us not only discern the difference between right and wrong, Lord, help us discern the difference between right and almost right. The difference between right and almost right, this is what you're struggling with. This is, for most of you, this is where it's at. You know right from wrong. You get it, right? You have this moral compass. That's not the issue. It's right and 
you know, it's right, and oh, most people are doing this over here. This is what culture does. This is what society does. This is what I see. This is what they, what they tweet. I mean, this is normal. But God hasn't called us to live normal. He hasn't. So we ha- it, it, And we lie to ourselves all the time. Again, deceiving. So we have this unlimited capacity to deceive ourselves or allow the enemy to, to deceive us. And we can't, we, can't, we can't base our decisions on our feelings. Oh, I just, I don't know, I have this feeling in my gut. I, well, you know what? It could be the pizza you ate last night at midnight, so take care of that. But, it, oh, I just, I, I love him so much. He's so good, such a great guy. I mean, I know he doesn't have a job or a car or goals or, but, but you know, it could be worse. He could live with his parents. And you're like, well, the only reason he doesn't live with his parents is because he's in jail. Okay, that's it. Like, I mean, but I love him. You know, feelings lie to you. Your heart will lie to you. The, the word says it. Jeremiah 17, 9, it says the heart is deceitful above all things. Your heart, your flesh, going back to last week, check out that message. Your fleshly self, it, it will lie to you. You can't trust your feelings. You can't trust your heart. So if I can't trust my feelings, if I can't trust my heart, what, what do, how do I do it? You need a standard, okay, outside of yourself. Outside of opinion, outside of culture, you have to have a set standard. In Proverbs, it says this, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all that you do, and he will show you the path to take. I need somebody to know that your truth doesn't come from your heart or your feelings. Your truth comes from your Father and the Word of God. That's where it's going to come from. That's what you need. I will give it to you. I will show you it. And I need you to help show it to me. We need each other in this. Oh, man. And you want to know a picture of this? Jesus Christ, when he was baptized, it's, it, it, it inaugurated his public ministry. That's when his ministry began. Do you know the very thing that happened to Jesus after he was baptized? The Holy Spirit led him into a desert to be tempted by the devil. Why? God was preparing his son for battle. God was arming his son against what he was going to be facing. And you know know what Jesus shows us? Jesus shows us the very first thing he put on? His belt of truth. Let me show you. In, in, in scripture, in that, in that scene, the devil would go to Jesus three times, and he would lie to Jesus three times. And all three times, and you can read this, go after Jesus was baptized and read it yourself, you'll see that all three times, Jesus uses the word of God to rebuke the devil. And all three times, Jesus says to the devil, it is written, it is written, it is written. He didn't say, well, based on how I'm feeling today, or based on this or that. Jesus was a human, okay? He knew it. He was a human and a God. But in this moment, he was being tempted just like you and I. Some of you, you're dealing with a temptation so big and you don't know how you're going to get through it. Listen to me. Jesus is showing you here that there's always a way out. Always. Okay? You're going to, you're going to, he's going to give you more than you can handle. But he'll never let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. There is always a way out. And how did Jesus get a way out? Scripture. Devil, sorry about that. It's written here. It's written here. It's written here. Jesus used the word of God. Jesus used the word of God. I'll give you this picture, this illustration. I want you to to put this in your mind. When someone gives their life to Jesus, this is the greatest decision you could ever make. When you call on the name of the Lord and you say, I believe that Jesus Christ is the living son of God. 
I believe that he died on a cross and he rose from the dead three days later. And I, did, I believe by that event, by him rising, that I, he has defeated sin, he has defeated death. And when I call on his name and he enters into me as his Holy Spirit, I will be saved. And you would be correct. That is Bible-based stuff right there. And when that happens, here, here's what I want you to picture. When that happens, the Holy Spirit enters into you. And here's what happens. You all of a sudden have this pathway in front of you. Now, Jesus is at the end because when you're in Christ, you fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. And you continually pursue him in all that you do. And we know that the closer that you get to Jesus, the more he changes your life because he does. And that is a guarantee. So here's this pathway between you and Jesus. I call it your pathway to purpose. Say, I have a purpose. Do you believe that? You believe you have a purpose? You do. You, you have a purpose, I promise you. And this is your pathway. And that is Jesus. And you are in him. And, you, and as you take steps towards Jesus, you continually grow. You continually change. And he'll do things that you cannot dream or imagine. But here's, an, here's another fact. On this pathway, on both sides, are these apartment buildings. And they're aligned up with the enemy and his army. Okay? Now here's the key. Because you're in Christ, and Christ has already won the battle, they, they don't have the power to get in your way. The, the, the battle's been won. The path is clear. All you need to do is take steps towards Jesus. Here's what the enemy will do. If I can't get in your way, if I've, if I've already been defeated, I will use what I can use, and that is mirrors, and that is smoke, and that is deception, and that is illusion. So what they will do is the enemy will lie to you. The enemy will taunt you. The enemy will say things at you. The enemy will deceive you. The enemy will curse you. And he will accuse you and, and make you question. He knows that he can just divert your attention a little bit. He's winning. Because we're supposed to fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter. But if the enemy's yelling at me, and the demons are yelling at me, and my mind is yelling at me, and, and if the devil knows if I can do this, if I just glance, he's winning. And pretty soon a glance turns into a turn, okay? And pretty soon I start to listen to these lies, and I start to question things, and I start to, to, to wonder, am I doing the right thing? Am I really saved? Is God really good? And pretty soon, I'm, pretty soon I'm over having a conversation with them, and they're like, hey, try this. Hey, do this. And they've got me off my path. They don't have the power to physically do it, but they're doing it here. And they're doing it here by how they speak to me and what they say to me and how they tempt me. And they're good at what they do. They'll tell you, try this, do this. Everybody's doing it. And here's what else they'll do. Then they'll accuse you. Or they'll, they'll get you to question, you really think the Bible? I mean, your pastor's talking about reading the Bible? Seriously? Books written thousands of years ago? Like, that's going to matter in your life? You really think going to church is going to be, I mean, you're wasting your time. It's not going to make a difference. You really think God loves you? Like, you're some masterpiece, like it says in the Word? There's seven plus billion people in the world. You don't matter any more than anybody else. That's what he's saying. And we start to believe it. And all of a sudden, they put barriers in our road. The barriers aren't real. Remember, they can't put anything in there to block you. But they're real to you. And you're in a prison. And you're stuck in your mind because you're believing the lies of the enemy. It's so key that you get this. And then the devil, he'll give you a one-two punch to knock you out. Here's a one-two punch. It's a jab. The jab is when he tempts you. Come on. Do this. Look at this. It's okay. No one's around. And then as soon as you do it, as soon as you give in to temptation... Boom! It's a right hook, and you are down. You know what the right hook is? The accusation about what you just did. So he's tempted you. He's, he's bartered with you. He's got you to give in to the temptation, and then he slams you about it and says, how could you do that again? You're, you're, you, you went there again? You'll never get it right. Your God isn't with you. This wouldn't be happening if he was. And they keep going and going and going. Listen, it is a... 
Walking with Christ is difficult. Walking without him, it's impossible. But I'm telling you something. I struggle like you struggle. And I, 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 the, he lies to me just like he lies to you. And some days I feel like I'm in my prison just like you might feel like you're in prison. But maybe you need to do what sometimes I do when it comes to the devil lying to me. And I'll just tell him. I'll just talk to him straight up and say, devil, you know what? You might see me struggle, but you will never see me quit. Because greater is he that is in me than anything in this world. That's what you need to tell him. You tell him the truth. That is scripture. You rebuke the devil. But there's more deception that's going to come. And a lot of the deception will come once you're in Christ. And he puts these barriers, barriers, illusions before you. And one of the biggest barriers is this. It's when you think you've made progress, but you really haven't. You, you, you've memorized scripture. You hang around people that are, you know, kind of good. You, you, you know, you've, you've, you've gone to church a few times. You're, you're kind of doing the right thing. Listen to James 1.22. This is the crux of what I'm getting to. James is a, a brother of Jesus, actually. He wrote, in, in James 1.22, he writes this. But don't just listen to the word of God. Don't just listen to the pastor preach. Don't just read the word of God. You must, say must. Wow, that's pretty imperative. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourself. There it is again. You're only deceiving yourself. You've been, you're believing the illusion. The illusion like, you know what? I've made so much progress. I'm way down the path. I'm like right here. My gosh, I go to church. I'm, I'm memorizing scriptures. I went to church growing up. I believe in Jesus. He's God's son. We're good. I'm doing that. But I haven't really made any other steps other than here. I mean, I know a lot here. I can quote scripture. I can do all kinds of things. I can post. I can tweet. I can put stuff on Instagram. and make myself look really godly. And man, it looks good. I just can't tell you the last time I've really done anything. Like, the last time I've really taken an actual physical step towards Jesus. In my head, Jesus and I are hanging out way at the other end. In reality, and, and truth is reality. In reality, here, here we sit. And the devil wants you to think, man, I've gone so far. I've done so much. I'm doing great things. And listen to me. I'm proud of you. Being in church, you should be here. I want you here. But if this is where it stops, we've lost. Because we've been deceived and thinking, oh gosh, I went to church. But if, but if we leave here and we don't apply what God is showing us, it doesn't matter. See, information without application is deception. Okay? We're sharing some information together, aren't we? We're sharing God's word together. We're exchanging information. But unless we apply it, unless we act on it, it doesn't matter. It's noise. It's motivation. Motivation's worthless unless we do something with it. Okay, we have to act on it. And I think the devil, this is where he gets us. He gets you to believe, I'm doing, I'm doing, are you? Are you really acting on it? I'm going to challenge you today, and you challenge me. Listen to me. I struggle just like you do. I swear God was speaking to me when he put this together. It's like, I, sometimes I think, oh my gosh, I'm all the... I'm like, I feel like I'm back there. It's, so here's the main point. <laughs> and sometimes, and I love when God speaks to you through the message. I pray for that every weekend. But if, and I've done this in church with my pastor. I'm like, I'm like, that was a great message. Oh my gosh, that was so good. That was so motivational. I wish my, I wish my brother would have been here to hear it. Oh, that was perfect for him. Oh, I wish my ex-girlfriend could have heard that. She needed, the, she needed that word. What if, what if the word was actually for me? I know, that's crazy, isn't it? <laughs> Profound. But what if it was for, for them and me? This is, the, it, what if? It wasn't just for the person that's all jacked up. <laughs> but it was for the person in the mirror who's jacked up like me. So that's, that's what I'm telling you. The devil's a deceiver. 
But God is truth. And the truth, listen to this, the truth only protects us. The truth only protects you when you act on it. That's a fact. That is a fact. We can share scripture all day long. We can preach. We can read. We can do things. We can, all day long we can do that. But unless we apply it, it doesn't matter. We're back on the road, believing that we're halfway down the road when we're standing at square one. And we haven't gone anywhere. And I'm telling you, should you research the God's word? Yes, research it, please. Research it, do what you need to do. But at the end of the day, I truly believe we're not going to overcome the father of lies with a lot of research and reasoning. We're going to overcome the father of lies as we apply the truth that he gives us. See, we don't need the next new thing. We need the only true thing. Jesus Christ said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. You take your next step towards him, I promise somebody in this place, your life will change. I want change. You want change? Do you want change? I hope so. I hope you do. God brought you here to change you. I need it. I don't know where you're at in your life, but I need it. I believe the lies. And sometimes I'm just trapped there. I don't want to be trapped there anymore. So Lord, what are you trying to tell us today? I'll tell you that he wants you to take a next step. I can't tell you specifically what that is because he speaks to everybody individually. That's how good he is. I'll tell you for some of you, it's, it's that right and almost right. And you already know it. I, I, I'm not condemning you, trust me. There's no bigger sinner in this joint than, than the one preaching. But I'm telling you, if you know that you're, you're, you're just off that compass a little bit, and it's not, it's not completely sideways, I mean, most people are doing it. God is calling you to, to go back to square one, go back to center, go back to your pathway. Call on his name. Do what he's calling you to do. For others, it's action in regards to taking a step Maybe even in the church. Maybe it's in a life group or small groups where we've talked about it, you've heard about it, but you've never taken the step to actually get in it. Well, pastor, I've already got people in my life. What if it's not about you? There is a profound thought for a Christian. What if it's not about us? What if it's about the purple person in a group who needs you to love them, to walk with them, to help them, to encourage them? Christianity, you know what that equals? It's not about me. That's Christianity. Maybe it's serving. Maybe God is saying, instead of just going to church, which again, I'm proud of you for being here, but eventually, unless the, unless the going turns into serving, unless we act on it, we start being the church, maybe being on a dream team, serving in a capacity, loving people, using the gifts and talents that God has given you to equip his church, which he, which he died for, to reach more people in his name. I'm just throwing stuff out there. Some of you, you're paralyzed. You're here, and it's here. And it's, maybe it's a mental illness that you struggle with. I'm there, I have that. Maybe it's addiction. I had that. Maybe it's your marriage or your singleness, your dysfunction, the sin, the condemnation, the shame, the guilt, what Adam and Eve felt once they sinned, they knew it. The Bible says they went and ran and clothed themselves because then they knew they were naked. Guilt and shame entered into the world. And some of you are paralyzed, paralyzed with failure. So scared of failure that you'll never take a step. 
I'm telling you, your failure, failure is not a person. Failure is an event, okay? Your failure does not have the power to define you. Your Father in heaven, He has the power to define you. We need to start living and acting like we know who He is and what His promises are. That's the truth. And we're in a prison sometimes. A prison where the door is wide open, but we're sitting in a cell like it's locked. Because there's a barricade. No, there's not. That's a smoke. That's a mirror. That's an illusion. That's deception. Father's Day. Happy Father's Day, by the way, to all the dads out there. It's bittersweet, if I can get personal for a second, and tell you that Bittersweet. I, I guess that's the word I would use. I, uh, when I was 10 years old, it was the end of the school year, and I was, I was in fourth grade. We had our spring pageant at St. Mary's Catholic Grade School in Salem, South Dakota. And uh, me and my four sisters, all tight in age, were there. My brother was home at our farmhouse 15 miles out of town with my dad. And we get done with this, with this spring, spring play at St. Mary's and uh, we're getting ready to leave we're all hauling ourselves in the, the Gannon family truckster or station wagon and we're getting ready to head home and all of a sudden out of Salem this ambulance flies out of town lights going and you know small town any kind of action like that is going to draw attention but I didn't think much of it because I've seen that kind of thing before so it's heading out on the highway and we live 15 miles out of town so we're like following it and it's kind of like wow, this is crazy. Where's it going? And we're talking about it and stuff. And all of a sudden, we get to the little gravel road uh, that goes to our farmhouse, and the, the ambulance turns down our gravel road. And we're like, oh, that's weird. So we turn down our gravel road, we follow it. We're like, it's kind of building up more anticipation. What's going on? What's, where's it going? What's happening? And, uh, and then it gets, and then all of a sudden, it gets to our driveway, and it slows down. I'm like, well, this, now this is weird. This is not what I was expecting. And it pulls in our driveway, lights going, and we pull in behind it. And I don't remember every detail. Like, I don't even remember getting out of the car. The next thing I remember is we were in our living room or in our dining room. And there was a lot of commotion going on in our house. And uh, 10 years old, so I, you know, I, don't, I can't remember everything. But I do remember my mom, my mom sitting me down at the table and saying, hey, Monty, just, just sit here. And then... I don't know how much time elapsed between when she sat me down and when she came back, but she came back and she knelt in front of me like this. And I do remember this like it just happened 10 minutes ago. And she looked at me and she put her hands on my, on my knees and she looked me in the eyes and she said, Monty, she goes, I need to tell you that your, your dad's gone. And I'm like, gone? And then time kind of stood still for a second and it was just kind of like a, almost like an illusion and I kind of glanced I don't know why but I glanced over this way and I could see a little picture in our living room and I, and I saw my dad uh, laying on the uh, on the ground and I, I do remember this there's a hunter green blanket over him and his feet were sticking out and I, I just remember it's just like I just, I'm looking at him right now my dad was 43 I'm like what? And I, you know, I, and I'm not, don't hear me like I'm some victim. Trust me, you, many of you have been through more than I will ever go through. And if you're going through a difficult day today, a difficult season today, I love you. 
And he, he loves you more. So I look at that. I, I can think, oh, Father's Day and and I've used excuses. This is sad. This is embarrassing to tell you, but I've, I, I haven't, you know, I, I was a drug addict and raising a family, just a mess. Not a good dad much of my life. And, and I would blame, I would use that as an excuse. Well, I didn't have a dad growing up, so I don't know how to be a dad. Well, Monty, the truth is, you have a dad that loves you more than you know. And if you follow what he said, he'll guide you down this path that will change your life. But I made excuses sometimes, and I was a victim sometimes. But I can look at that, and, and, and sometimes I think we can look at messages like this about application and think, but, but you don't know what I've been through. You don't know what I've seen. You don't know what I've gone through. You don't know how I've been hurt, how I've been betrayed, the hand I've been dealt. God is so good. Why have I been dealt such a bad hand? You know, we talk about the devil being a master illusionist, like he's got this deck of cards. Well, God's got his own deck of cards. And if I were to tell you my hand, if I were to lay out what my hand looked like, it would be something like this. I don't know if there's any card players in the house, but if you are, you'll know that if you get dealt this in poker, it ain't much. It's kind of a hodgepodge, a mess. Four of spades, king of hearts, two of hearts. Really nothing here that is good. There ain't no straight, there's no flush. No full house, not even a pair, nothing. And I would look at my life sometimes and think about losing my father at 10 years old and becoming a, just a slave to addiction, a slave to sin. And, and, and I look at that and I think, gosh, this life can suck. This is so difficult. And some of you, honestly, this is the hand you're looking at when you walked in here. This is your life. It's like, I never asked for that, God. I don't like the hand I've been dealt but yet I'm supposed to be moving towards you and loving you and, and I can't even pay my bills. My finances are all messed up. My men, again, my mental state, my physical, whatever it is in your life that you struggle with, many of us, we look at this hand and we're like, what am I supposed to do with that? It's a mess like my life. If you feel that way, you belong at this church. I'm telling you straight up. We are a church that is messy and messed up. But we will point you to a Jesus who's more than enough. And if you pursue him with all your heart, he'll set you free. It's what he's in the business of doing. But some of you, you walked in here, and, 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 and what the cards that you think you've been dealt in life, they're actually not your cards. Just bear with me for a second. What if the cards that you've been looking at are an illusion? What if you actually have something here that's worth playing? What if you have something here that you've been dealt that's bigger and better than you could ever dream or imagine? What if, what if there's something here, like if you change your perspective and you change your mindset and you start thinking about God's promises rather than your problems, you'll start to see, oh my gosh, there's something there that maybe my, maybe my life's not that bad. Maybe there is hope in that area of my life. Maybe I can get set free in that area. Maybe I can overcome that addiction, but I don't know how because I'm looking at that hand and I don't see a winner. But what if the hand you have isn't the hand you have? Because, because, there's, because there's something special that you need to receive. Jake, Jake, come up here for a second. Jake is, uh, well, it's ironic. Jake is 11, my youngest son. And uh, here, here's something cool. I've been clean. I don't, I don't know the day that I got clean. I don't know the day. But I do know what it was around. 
and it was around Jake's birthday. So Jake's birthday is September of, well, September of 2007. So all Jake's ever known is a daddy who's been clean and sober. A daddy who's still pretty messed up though, right? You can say it, it's okay. But he's been clean and sober. That's a gift from God. So Jake, what are the cards? Uh, four of spades, king of hearts, and two of hearts. Yep. Four of spades, king of hearts, two of hearts. What do I do with this, God? What if these cards aren't what we see? What if the cards are different than what we see? What if what God wants you to do today, what if God wants you to receive today is different than what you think you have? If you look at things differently, if you think about things differently, maybe you need some gratitude in your life. Maybe you need some thanksgiving in your life about what you have. That will change your cards. That will change your look. That will change everything about you. So let's do a little game ourselves. Out of these three cards, pick. I, you know what? Don't just pick it. Show it to them. If they, if they choose to pick the king of hearts, what is it? See, the, the king of hearts, when you choose the king of hearts and you see the hand that you really have, then you will see you have been chosen. You have been set free. You have been redeemed. You have been made new. And you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. That's what you can do. This, my friends, is the game changer. Thank you, Jake. Give it up for Jake. I'm going to close and tell you, once I gave my life to Christ, I still wanted to use drugs. I did. I still wanted to sin and, and do bad things. I was learning more about Jesus. I was going to church. God was doing a work, but I, was still, I still had a messed up hand, and I was still messed up. Some of you are there. You're like, I keep going to church, Pastor. Nothing's changing. I've been into the Word a little bit, but it's not really doing anything. I still got issue with my kids. I still got issue with my, my family and my spouse and whatever. But here's the game changer, at least for me. I can't speak for you. I'll tell you what I did. I started to take a step. I had the, I had the head knowledge as a kid. I've always believed in Jesus Christ. Always. Never doubted Jesus. I just never pursued him. I just never sought him. I just didn't go after him. I went after the pleasures of the world. It, it was fleeting. And it was heartbreaking. And some of you are in it. And I'm telling you, he has deceived you. He has deceived you in believing that what you're chasing is going to fulfill you. It never will. It never will. The only one who can ever, ever fulfill you is the card that you just saw. And when you take a step towards him, and I mean an action step, like the first step I took, I start serving in our kids' ministry at church. My life dramatically changed. Dramatically. I thought I was going to be there for the kids. My gosh, God was doing something in me. And then I got into a life group, and God started to use people to minister to me and change me. Then I started to, to trust God in my finances and all these steps. I wasn't just talking about them. I was actually taking steps. And go figure. What we say is correct. The closer that I got to Jesus, the more he changed my life. It, but I had to quit talking and start walking. It was weird, and I'm like, oh, this is great. It was hard. It was difficult. It was tough. But it was so tangible and real. You want change in your life. You need to take a step towards that change. What is God asking you to do? I'm going to close with a prayer for you. You need to know something. I said it before and I'll say it again. Today is Father's Day. I don't, I, I don't know your relationship with your earthly dad. But I do know what your heavenly dad wants for you. 
and it's way bigger and way better than what you can dream or imagine. But it will only happen, listen to me, it will only happen if you do this. You can think about it all day long. You can, you, you can contemplate it all day long. Those things won't do anything at the end of the day. You have to take a step. I can't tell you what that step is. I believe the Holy Spirit is already telling you. That's how good he is. And that's how much he loves you. Father, thank you so much for your word. I thank you so much for your truth. I say to you again, Father, happy Father's Day. You've been my dad since the day I was born. And you'll never stop, despite my stupidity, despite my bad choices, despite my continued mistakes, you never leave me or forsake me. The same is true for everybody listening to this prayer right now. God, I pray they feel a supernatural presence right now of your Holy Spirit drawing them in. God, for the, for the person that needs to surrender their life to you and call on your name and believe in you and ask you to come into their life and make them new, I pray they don't leave here without that happening. I pray that they, they mark the card, they pray with the prayer team, they do whatever it takes to clear the path because until that, ha until that happens, the path is full of the enemy. But once we call on your name, the pathway's clear. And then, we're then we just have to hear the enemy, but we don't have to physically have him uh, obstruct us because you're guiding us and you're in us. We need your belt of truth. We need you desperately in this place. For anybody needing prayer, God, I pray they don't leave without praying with the prayer team. For anybody ready to take a next step, whatever that takes, I pray they let us know what it is so we can give you glory, pray with them, and continually point them to you. You are the Father. You are the King. And in you, all things are made new. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, we will never stop praising his holy name. We will never stop glorifying you, God. You, you are good. You are God. And you are worth it all. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody says, amen.